0: Hey guys, thanks for joining the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho and I'm here with my co-host, Laura Spath. Laura has shared online that she's been doing an extended fast, and we just wanted to revisit the whole fasting discussion. If you are unfamiliar with fasting, I highly recommend going back to episode eight, and we talk about time-restricted, intermittent, and extended fasting. We talk about the definitions and what all of that means. If you want to educate yourself in terms of what is fasting, you may want to go to that episode. In this episode, we'll just talk about our experiences with fasting and how Laura's been doing her fast, and just get a pulse on what's been going on. Um, I saw all the content about your upcoming fast, so I just thought it'd be a good idea to talk about fasting. Um, I know there's a lot of people that are pro-fasters in our community. There's a lot of anti-fasters. I hate these words, but um, let's talk a little bit about your fast. How Did uh, did you do a 48-hour fast? I did.
1: So I used to do them really regularly, um, and kind of over time, I just haven't done them as much. But in 2022, I hadn't done one yet. And it was kind of really good timing for me. So I really only encourage people to to do fast when they're in a really good place with food, right? Fasting shouldn't be a punishment for eating carbs. It shouldn't be a way to try to like get back on track again or reset yourself. Like it really should be done when you're in a, a very good place. I know you and I can get in and talk about it, but you know, over the years I have done extend, I've done a seven day extended fast. I've done a lot of 72 hour fast, a couple five day fasts at this point, I really don't personally see a benefit for going longer than about 48 hours. Like I've tried them. I've had success. I lost weight. Like all those things were fine, but I just never found a benefit for going longer than about 48 hours uh, personally. If I were to fast 72 hours, I would lose more weight, but I would gain more back again. Like I tend to be able to do a 48 hour fast, drop a couple pounds and then not actually pounds of like inflammation, you know, that kind of stuff and not actually gain it back again afterwards. So it's definitely my sweet spot to stay around uh, 48 hours. And I'm also finding that I do them a lot more rarely than I used to, uh, obviously.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about that. So I know when you first started carnivore t- in your family as well, in order to balance blood sugar, you did a lot more fast. Maybe there was a little bit more weight on you guys. Why do you fast less now?
1: I think, I mean, part of it is that I just really like eating and I don't want to fast as much anymore. And so I, that's definitely part of it. I think there is an element of just enjoying eating every day. Um, I'm not as concerned about being skinniest anymore, I guess. And I'm trying to just not overdo it, not overpush the fasting. I used to do two 48-hour fasts a week. And um, during that time, I was also at my thinnest weight. And I think the combination of the exercising that I was doing in my thinnest weight and the double 48-hour fasts a week, like that was just a lot on my body. And it, it definitely wasn't I was the thinnest that I was then, but I wasn't the healthiest that I was then. And I've talked a lot about that, but, um, I think, so in the process of me talking about this lately, I got a message from somebody saying that they're, they, you know, people that they follow don't recommend fasting over 24 hours. Um, I guess there's a section of the carnivore community who say that there's zero benefit for fasting beyond 24 hours. I don't know if you are aware of that. Oh. No, I wasn't. So Yeah. So somebody, I didn't either. I didn't know either. And so I kind of asked them to explain it to me. Um, But apparently that's, that's a thought process. And also we know that there's a lot of anti-fasters out there, but for somebody like myself, for somebody like my husband and my mom, my mom's in her, you know, late sixties, my husband's in his mid forties and I'm in my mid thirties. All three of us were overweight. All three of us have high blood sugar. I was pre-diabetic. Both of them were diabetic. The... The, we could not, my mom literally could not lower her blood sugar. She was perfectly strict carnivore for like six months and was not doing any fasting. And she could not get her blood sugar down until she started incorporating 36 hour and 48 hour fasts. And Dr. Fung, uh, Dr. Jason Fung talks about that a lot when he talks about reversing diabetes is that you have to kind of burn out that accumulated sugar in your liver and that doesn't happen until you push past that 36 hour mark. And so I know we're going to get into more of this, but context matters so much when you're talking about fasting. There are people that should not fast. And we can talk about that first before we go deeper into, um, into this. But the fact of somebody you know, saying that there's zero benefit of going beyond 24 hours, I would disagree with because of the people who need to lower blood sugar. I think for, um, a lot of healing, some weight loss issues, depending on your history, those things can be very beneficial. So
0: I've actually never heard that a statement of fasting for more than 24 hours is detrimental for you or not, there's no added benefit. Um, When I did my research for Carnivore Cure, I looked into a lot of the fasting and the benefits of autophagy. And I know autophagy, when you're in a ketogenic state, it's kind of always running. And the more ketones you have, you may have just More benefits of the kind of cell cleanup because there's less food in your body. So the immune system can work on other things like the dead cells and eating up dead cells and just creating healthier cells. There is a general thought that it may take 72 hours to reach that autophagy. Now, again, if you're in a ketogenic state, it may be happening just while you're intermittent fasting. It really depends on the body. But when I did the research with Jason Fung's group and the IDM program, they recommend in terms of fat loss that you do not hit that fat loss until you hit about 36 hours of fasting. For women, it's 36 hours. And for males, it's um, I believe it's 18 hours. So the equivalence for a woman is 36. For a man, it's 18 to really start losing weight. Now, again, it's going to depend on if you are in a ketogenic state or not. Well, he doesn't even say for fat
1: loss, because I do think you're right with fat loss, but he's saying for kind of burning out that stored blood sugar or sugar. Yes, but if you
0: are in a ketogenic state, you won't have a lot of sugar that's in your liver stores. You will have some still because that's how we survive, but there won't be as much as like somebody that's a true sugar burner. And so maybe it takes a little bit longer for that aspect, but in terms of fat loss, in terms of a lot of the benefits, there's a lot more benefits. I mean, just logically, every time we eat, either it's a friend for our body, our digestive process, or it's a foe. So every time you put food in your system, whether there's an additive, whether there's a element of the plant food, all of these things, then your body decides, okay, I'm going to have an immune response or not. So when you are fasting, You are allowing your body to calm down, no longer have to figure out what do I need to do for the digestive process? What do I need to do for my immune health? It's just your fasting. So then your body can focus on healing the rest of the areas that it has been so busy on trying to protect you from the food that you're eating. So when I hear that it's just 24 hours, I have clients that will prep for a SIBO test or prep for some type of gut test, and they'll fast first to have the immune system as non-responsive to foods before they do these tests. And sometimes they fast for many, many days. And for some of my chronic inflammatory Uh, response syndrome or the chronic fatigue syndrome clients, they fast for many days, because that is the only way that they are taming their immune system. And they can be on the thinner side, they can be on the heavier side. But sometimes food and any kinds of food, even meat based, even pasture raised, all of those will still create an immune response for them. So they feel best fasting. And so to take that away, and say that fasting is not ideal past 24 or no benefit. It's just not true.
1: Yeah, and I think too, like, I mean, my mom's a perfect example of this where she was eating keto for a while, she was eating carnivore for a while, she was losing weight, she was um, healing in a lot of ways, but her blood sugar, she could not get off her diabetes medication and she could not lower her uh, blood sugar because she's still consuming food like two to three times every day and her body was still losing weight. She was still in ketosis, but because she was giving her body fuel every day, it didn't actually have to tap in. It was tapping into body fat but it wasn't tapping into those really deep stored sugars that were still causing her blood sugar to remain high. And that, you know, within a couple of weeks of her incorporating 36 to 48 hour fast, she was able to get off all her diabetes medications. And while that's an anecdote for one person in one context, it is necessary to, no matter how strict you are, to still kind of clean out that You know, let your body clean itself out. For me, digestively, it was a big help uh, when I was working to clean, uh, you know, heal my hemorrhoids and and deal with a lot of, um, you know, trying to reverse a lot of the damage that I had done to my intestines before I came to carnivore. And so that was that was a big part of it.
0: You know, we saw Doctor Arthur Agustin talk at Boca Raton Low Carb Conference, but I just spoke with him as well, and we talked about how we can eat a low-carb diet and reduce our blood sugars, reduce our insulin um, in blood work, but that we can still have beta cell dysfunction, meaning that our pancreas is still not functioning optimally. There may still be fat on the pancreas, fat on the liver, and then our pancreas is not producing insulin well enough. When you reduce your carbs, you don't have to ask the pancreas to produce as much insulin, so you will show an improvement but that doesn't mean the beta cell dysfunction is fully healing that quickly. And so when you incorporate these long-term fasts, it will help to then really support that beta cell dysfunction. If we are eating lower carb, but we're having beta cell imbalances, then even the meat that we're eating will cause a insulin response of glucose, make the blood sugar go up just from meat. And so for some people, if their blood sugar is really, really high, they may need to um fast and fast for long term to do a lot more healing than just eating meat based. And again, this is going to be very individualized, but to say that only 24 hours or to say that everyone needs fasting, like these extremes are just so frustrating because it's not true. Yeah.
1: And I do I don't think I would go back and change the long fast that I did. It's not like I regret doing them. They were good for me based on where I was in my life and in my healing and in my weight loss journey. I just think that definitely as I got thinner, I needed to slow down the frequency of what I was doing. And I, I think now at where I am in my mental and, you know, physical relationship with food and carnivore, it's, you know, it's definitely not something that I need to do those longer fasts at this point, but I, I still think they're beneficial depending on your circumstances. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And same with me. I mean, when I first started, I did the more shorter term fasts, like t- 3648. And those don't work w- well for me. And we can talk about that in a second. But if you listen to content from like Dr. Dom Agostino or Dr. Peter Atia, these people are more of the biohackers in the keto spaces or the low-carb spaces or just the wellness spaces. And these people still believe in doing like once a year long-term fasts just so they can do a lot of that autophagy benefits. None of them need to lose weight. They're all very, very healthy. And yet they still do these long-term fasts because they know the benefits of more than just Uh, weight loss, but of the cell cleanups.
1: So since you're talking about autophagy, let's talk about that for a little bit more. And I got some DMs that I want to bring up and um, that were, some of them were just interesting to me or the misconceptions about what autophagy is. Uh, We obviously have described it, right? It's attacking the cells and it's kind of like getting rid of old dead cells and cleaning things out. It can do a lot with healing what autophagy is sometimes misconceptioned is this magic loose skin eater and that I have had many 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 people over the years say like why do you still have loose skin or oh if just worry about add fasting and you won't have loose skin or anytime the loose skin conversation comes up it's like oh just do autophagy and and you won't have loose skin like I got a lot of loose skin, autophagy, whatever that is. Yeah. Maybe would help to some internal degree, but it's not going to make a visible difference in my loose skin. And I have done a lot of fasting over the last four years Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of loose skin. And I, am telling you, it's not like time consistency and genetics and where you carried your fat. I had this big apron belly that hung over. That's exactly where my loose skin is. People who had bigger hips and thighs and us, you know, not this huge, you know, protruding belly, beer belly, like I did, um, are not going to experience it in the same way. I don't have loose skin on my hips and thighs because that's not where I carried my weight. Right, mine was all in my stomach, which is where my skin is. So, autophagy is not this magic. Like, oh, I'm going to do a five day fast and my loose skin is going to go away. Or, you know, it's it doesn't really work like that. I've done a lot of those longer fasts and I do a lot of 40 hour fasts. And while I can't say there's no difference, it just, it, there's genetics involved. There's just, it's so many factors. Um, so I, it's that's like a trigger point for me for sure.
0: Right, and it really depends on the person. The core of autophagy is not, so you can have this perfect body, it's to do healing within the body. So if you, we all have cancerous cells, every single one of us has it. It's like a tipping point, though, at a certain point, you have too many cancerous cells, and then you are diagnosed with cancer. And the goal with these, these fast and to really trigger autophagy, and maybe it can clean up some of the cells that you have excess skin in those areas. But that is, it does not mean that you are going to be ultra thin. It really depends on so many different factors. And to say that you will lose like your excess skin from fasting, it may help an incremental amount. I bet you there's some study out there that right. shows it reduces some, but it might be 1%. And again, it's taken out of context.
1: The other so the other thing I had never heard of, and I want to redo this DM that I got, because I didn't even really know what they were talking about. So somebody messaged me, along the same lines of autophagy. And I thought when they asked me this question, I thought they were going to ask about the loose skin. So they said, I was wondering if you've noticed any body recomposition from fasting, like some other carnivores say they have. Until so I assumed it was going to be the loose the, skin stuff. Okay. And so I just replied and said, I'm not familiar with what people have said, but I definitely get leaner and I deflate from any inflation, inflammation that I'm carrying inflation Uh, from any inflammation that I'm carrying. And she said that um, somebody has mentioned that after people have healed themselves with a carnivore diet for a couple of years, they can learn how to feast and fast. And then that fasting leads to autophagy, cell death, and that autophagy leads to body recomposition. For example, deflated areas shrinking up, losing weight around your waist, but gaining a cup size in your bra. Those are the kinds of things that they have claimed anyway. And so I, w- I was honestly shocked. I've never heard of every person I know that fast and myself included or loses weight complains that our boobs s- sag and like, yeah, that's a very real thing that I deal with or just like, uh, you know, I i swear my first five pounds I lose is in my boobs uh, and then at my face and then my belly is always the last to go. So sure. um, that was interesting. So I, I definitely, I mean, I replied and I said, like, I don't think that's accurate. Uh, I, I mean, autophagy is a real thing, but it doesn't mean that your body is going to like reshape itself and that your boobs are going to grow. And so, yes, you know, I think you, you can't target fat loss. You can grow specific muscles and you can pick, I want to grow my biceps and I want to gain muscle in specific targeted areas but you cannot pick where you lose fat. And I am fairly confident to say that you can't decide that you want your boobs to grow because of fasting.
0: The fasting and feasting is normally better in the beginning when you have weight to lose. I agree with that It's normally not down the road. As you are meat-based and ketogenic for a while, you really don't need to fast as much, just like how, Laura, your progression is that you don't fast as much either.
1: I also don't feast as much either. If you look, I have old videos. I fully support feasting and fasting, but I don't like that. I don't even like that I use the term feasting anymore because I think it's taken on a new meaning. It doesn't mean stuff yourself, overeat, and it doesn't mean eat more than you're comfortable eating. I liked it in the beginning because I was used to eating a large pizza and a pint of ice cream. And so eating a lot at one time and then fasting after it was a comfortable, natural thing for me. But this idea that you should train your body Mm -hmm. and force yourself over time to eat more and more and more. So then fasting will be natural, I think is absolutely backwards and very damaging If anything, if I go to Fogo to chow and I eat a big, huge meal, Chris and I always joke that we wake up hungry in the next day because it spikes up whatever those hormones are that make you hungry. Like I just ate a ton of food. I wake up the next day and I'm like, dang, I'm never hungry for breakfast, but I'm super hungry probably because of that crazy ride that I took my body on originally. And so while I do support the idea of eating, I loved eating a lot in one sitting, but that's also just because that's what was natural for me. I don't think anybody should force themselves to go into that crazy cycle. I'm much more comfortable now having two meals a day and then an occasional fast.
0: And I think this is where definitions are really important. Although we seem to change words all the time in our English language lately, but this is why words matter and terms matter when, and, and context matters. So for a person that is overweight, yet always ate low fat, try to limit their fat intake and then didn't eat enough protein, they will have to learn to eat more protein. So that is a true statement. In one meal, if you were eating four ounces of meat, if that, you may have to learn to eat about eight ounces. So that's where... I think the definition of you need to learn to eat more and you should eat till you're um, satiated, those things come into play, that makes sense. But it's not to say you need to binge on meat because that's where I think people get into trouble and I I struggled with that. So I used to eat, like, I mean, I was plant-based. So if I had tuna or a little bit of salmon, it was maybe four ounces and then whole bowls of salad. And so when I started eating carnivore, I was like, I need to eat more. So I would force myself to eat to the point I would get really, really sleepy after meals. So I would eat like a pound and a half. And that was like the limit at one point. And then I got to two eventually. But I would be so sleepy, so cranky. And my blood sugar would go up into the 150s. And I'm like, this is what I've been told to do. And this is how I'm going to eat. And then I would fast. And, and then I noticed that these triggers of wanting to overeat and then binge would occur. And then I would go out to restaurants and I couldn't even eat um, enough that I felt satiated. And as then I went to nutritional therapy school and stuff, and I realized Well, this is not good for your digestive process. You get one time you're overloading your system with all this food, assuming you have enough stomach acid, assuming you have enough digestive enzymes to break it all down, and then assuming you have good small intestine function to absorb your nutrients. So you get one time you're teaching people to binge, which I struggled with my whole life. And then you're saying, if you ever eat outside that window, then what? Well, now you're used to eating this large bolus of food. And now you're triggering and almost teaching people to learn how to binge. It's super, super dangerous. I am not for most people um, eating OMAD because one, if you don't have good gut health and most people do not have good gut health. And then secondly, secondly, you're teaching people how to binge. You're teaching people this is a normal amount. We have stomach stretch receptors in our stomach that teach our body if your ghrelin, your leptin, all of these hormones are imbalanced, so you don't know how you feel full. The other mechanism is your stomach stretch. So if you are used to binging or eating like thousands of calories in a meal, your body will then signal to your brain, I'm full because my stomach has stretched enough. Well, if you're teaching your stomach, no, 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 this is not enough. You need to eat more more, and more. You need to eat two pounds. Well, you're teaching your brain, no, I'm still hungry. I am, I'm still hungry. So then what? If you ever get off this way of eating, well, now you're just setting yourself up for insulin resistance, metabolic dysfunction, and having to eat more to hit that stomach stretch receptor, To then actually say you're full of the hundreds and hundreds of clients I meet, there's like one or two that are doing OMAD for weight loss. And I recommend not to do it. And I suggest at least two meals a day. Dr. Jason Fung and all that team, they even recommend if you do OMAD, it's it's for maintenance weight. You never do OMAD. He says, if you want to lose weight, OMAD is not the way to go.
1: I, I do. I mean, I listen. I I think it was the bridge that got me here because I didn't know how to stop eating before this. I was eating with a standard American diet, with gas station food and fast food. I was eating six plus times a day and I needed that mental change to teach my body what physical hunger was and mental hunger. And so like whatever they say, I, I, I mean, I under, completely understand that. I don't know if I would have made it this far without spending a time in OMAD. And so I do give it credit for what it did for me. I'm absolutely was, I was probably having uh, loose stools that much, much longer than I should have been. M- you know, most people get over that within a couple of weeks and I was dealing with it for six plus months. I didn't really care because it was like mentally what I needed. And that sounds a little, maybe that sounds <laughs> bad to say, but I will say that this idea that I have to like teach myself to eat a lot so that I can fast. Like I truly don't understand that concept because I've lived it. And it just, there's no way that that as my obese food addict brain could have handled like letting myself there's, it's like combining reverse dieting and fasting into one concept. And I just don't understand it. Um, And And so, but I think yeah. for
0: you it was different. So it's not like you taught yourself to eat more. You just I just already yourself, was eating a lot. Yeah. But you were you taught yourself to eat just different macros and different food sources. But it's right. not like you were restricting yourself your whole life and then you were forcing it. So that's where I think it was a totally. little bit more natural of a step for you, and that that makes complete sense for somebody like me that was eating like 500 calorie meals a, um, per meal, and then to force myself to now eat 2,000 calories. And struggling with an eating disorder, which I think most people that struggle with obesity, that struggle with their physical body image, they struggle with these things. And then to f- yeah. say, no, no, it's okay. And I, I, there was a time where I told Kevin, I was like, I like this OMAD thing. It's like I can freely binge, but it's okay. And I remember saying that right. to him because I thought, oh, wow, I can just have a buffet in front of me, eat the meats, the cheeses and everything and eat till my stomach is literally hurting but it's good. And then I just fast. And then I do it again. And I was like, I found the secret sauce. And I realized how bad it was when there was times I would have to eat twice a day. And I couldn't turn off the stomach stretch receptor. And I was like, I'm not hungry. And I would scavenge for more food or forage for more food. And that's when I realized plus going to school and learning about digestive health, that I realized that that is not ideal at all.
1: Right. And we talk about, you know, a lot of women, especially have a hard time eating enough, especially, you know, like my mom has a hard time eating enough yes. calories in a day. And so that's why she does eat a couple of different meals or she was doing OMAD and I had to keep getting on her to stop doing it because you're eating like 800 calories. Cause yes. her OMAD was, you know, um, an eight ounce burger patty with bacon and cheese on top. And like, she thought that was, I was full. That's it. That's all I needed. And then now I'm going to fast. Like you're insane. That's not enough food. And so while she can't, I can't force her to eat more volume of food. And that wouldn't, that wouldn't be good either. Where you're again, like you said, stretching your stomach out and forcing yourself to eat more volume. We focused a lot with her on adjusting the ratio of what she was eating. Like stop eating burger patties, mom. There's not enough calories in that. Like you need to find something that has more fat in it. Mm -hmm. Don't eat a bunch of hard boiled eggs. Um, and chicken salad, like the chicken salad is almost no calorie, like super low in calories. Don't eat hard-boiled eggs with four pieces of bacon. Have more bacon and have, you know, four egg yolks and two egg whites. Like let's up your yolks to whites ratio. Like it depends on how much vol like I I can eat could and probably still can eat a lot of volume. But if you can't, you do have to make sure that you're you're eating enough. And that is why over time, I've just found that the two meals a day, we've kind of got off fasting, but like the, I think this is a big part of it though, where two meals a day naturally works. And then I still can do a 48 hour fast, uh, occasionally to aid with the weight loss. And I think just that's why
0: context really matters. And when people have these absolute recommendations and there's just these kind of trendy talks and catchy phrases, a lot of my clients will go, but They'll say the same thing that your mom says. Um, a lot of the older women will say, but I'm full. And I thought I'd just eat till I'm full. And it's like, but when we do your calories, you're eating 800 calories. It's not enough nutrition. And eventually, your hormones will get impacted. Eventually, right. your thyroid will get impacted. Thyroid does not get impacted by fasting. It's what you do in the... F- um refeeding phases that affects your thyroid. No, and these are all these nuances and out of context that people get that say but I only have to eat till I'm full and I'm always full so there's no way I can eat that much. I had to recommend to my clients you need to eat five small meals. I need no matter what you to at least be consuming 1600 calories. And she's now at maybe 1200 for the whole like couple of years she's been carnivore, she's been under eating. So it's like no wonder your thyroid is getting imbalanced. It is not the diet.
1: Right. And that's exactly what happened to me where I was still doing the fasting. I was trying to eat OMAD because that's what had worked for me up until that point. However, it had been a year and a half and I couldn't eat as much volume in one sitting anymore. And so I was still trying to OMAD. I was also exercising. Like I got a little obsessed for about six months. This is the only time in my life that I've ever cared about exercising. And so I would go do these hour long body pump classes, which is intense, like it's like cardio and weightlifting combined for an hour. I would be in the middle of a 48 hour fast. And then I would go do a refeed and I would try to eat two pounds of beef, but I couldn't fit in two pounds of beef. So then over time I was eating like a pound of beef in the middle of a 48 hour fast. And that beef wasn't even like super fatty. Cause I, I didn't like the globby fat bits that were on there afterwards. And in the midst of this exercise, in the midst of this fast, like so much stress was happening on my body. And so yeah we have to really understand when and where we're doing these fasts. I will say that I will always be a believer. I mean, whatever, always. I am a believer in a 40 hour fast still to this point because you said hormone issues. That was it, right? During my absolute thinnest, I was doing all those things that I mentioned and I stopped having my period for a few months while I was on carnivore. And then I I didn't have to switch to fruit and orange juice to get it back. I had to like chill out a little bit. I had to, eat more than one time a day. I had to stop fasting as frequently. I had to chill out on the exercise a little bit and make sure I was getting enough food in. And then all of a sudden, boom, everything regulated. And now like to the hour I can, you know, I'm pretty super regular. And so I think the frequency of fasting with everything, length, frequency, all of those things, more is not better. And there's such a, it's such a contest sometimes. That's why I kind of hate hosting these group fast. I love it cuz I want to support people and encourage people and I do think people should step outside their comfort zone and try it. But I don't want people to feel that FOMO and then do something that's not right for them or use it as like a man, I've been eating crap and I should just jump in and fast and like um, you know, feel like they have to be a part of something that isn't healthy for them.
0: Yeah, if you fast when you're not in a ketogenic state. It just makes it harder because your blood sugar will drop. The issue is that you can't tap into your fat stores because you're not in a state of, you don't have access to the fatty acids and the ketones. And so your energy will dip and dip. And so the fasting becomes incredibly hard. And so that's when a lot of people will break their fast and they'll eat. And then they end up binging because they are fasting when they're not in a state of mind to fast. And so that's where a long time ago, before we were ketogenic or we're eating a meat-based diet, we would force these fasts or force us to eat these salads, these skimpy salads. And we would feel the hunger pains, but we're like, no, we're going to muscle through it. We're going to change our diet. And eventually we crash because we're not able to access our energy stores, which is our fat. And that's why on a carnivore, a ketogenic diet, we get access to our fat stores And that's why with fasting, it's not as hard. Sure, you feel hunger, but that's the cyclical circadian rhythm of hunger. But in general, you don't feel as hungry. So women take that as a, I'm going to eat 800 calories. I'm going to eat really little. And then they blame the diet. A lot of my clients that do these extended fasts, and I don't have many of them. Most of my clients are working on a lot of things. So they don't use fasting as a tool that much, but I do have some that do it. But when they refeed they're eating so little, they're eating like 800
1: calories. Well, then people are jumping right back into another fast again. Right. And I did that. I, I never did them very much back to back uh, once or twice, but this idea of like constantly being in this feast and fast mode is not, um, you know, I, I think I, in my video previously, I was talking about that being like an OMAD thing, but to constantly be, um, but be, be going beyond that just seems counterproductive to like, I just, I don't know. I guess I don't understand that. And I can't see it working for most people. I'm not saying nobody, but I'm saying I just can't, even somebody like myself who was coming from this extreme um, obese uh, background and overeating and tendencies, like a 48 hour fast does wonders for me mentally. It helps reset my appetite. It helps kind of curb the snack cravings. It helps dial my mental state in. It helps remind me of what physical and mental hunger is, but to do them all the time seems counterproductive and i completely agree with you most people cannot eat enough right, in exactly. between that fast especially i can't eat as much coming off of a fast my first meal after a fast is small if i eat too much i'm going to be running to the bathroom having lava come out my butt for a little while and so i have to eat something small after a fast and then i need another meal a few hours after that and then now i'm i need a few days so like even in the height of my fasting i was still doing two a week, but they were like Mondays and Fridays, I would, I had three or four, you know, days in between, um, in between those fast. And so doing something back to back like that, I think is counterproductive.
0: We have to think of fasting as a tool to benefit metabolic syndrome, and then also the benefits of autophagy. So if you have some type of severe illness, that you are trying to reduce your inflammation, fasting is a benefit. If you have metabolic syndrome where your beta cells are dysfunctioning, that you cannot reduce your blood sugar, that your insulin is out of control, and you are on so many different medications, fasting is a benefit. But as a weight loss tool, it is beneficial. But if you are doing it, if you if you are required to do multiple extended fasts within a week, I personally think that you are teaching your body how to starve and I think at a certain point it's just like you said when you become so used to not eating your body learns to not eat as much too and then you'll notice that slowly either two right. things happen either you are so deprived that your body starts binging during the refeeding and that you start eating a lot of different things because you feel just out of control or two, you just don't eat enough during the refeeds that you are slowly telling your body to shut down in terms of hormones, in terms of thyroid. And this is where,
1: and that's exactly, that's exactly what happened to me because over time I liked the 48 hour fast. If I was snacking too much, or I was in this place of like, I can't feel full. I'm not feeling full. My appetite's out of control. I'm constantly hungry then like a fast sometimes would help reset yes. that physically. But if, but then I couldn't eat as much when I was eating again and refeeding again.
0: So I'll just talk about my story. Because I was a restrictor for so much of my adult life. So either I would restrict and then I would binge and then I would purge and then I would go through these cycles. And my body or my memory or my fight or flight response remembers that. So when I was starting to do a lot of these 48-hour fasts, I noticed that I would have the tendency to binge and I would want to binge on things that were not carnivore. And that was my biggest red flag. Like, why Why do I want all, something sweet? And that's the first thing I wanted when I was getting off the fast. And, and then when I would start eating, I would just literally be like a bear and like search for foods. And I didn't feel that level of satiety. And that was my warning. And it was my husband that said, I don't think these long-term fasts are good for you because it seems like you go back to your old habits. And that's when I realized, maybe i should stop doing them and yeah. and that's why i don't really do them anymore i can do the 16 hour fast 18 hour fast even like within the omad day that type of thing but and that's fine but anything beyond that and maybe i should test myself it's been a couple of years but in general those longer term fasts always trigger me to want to binge and i suspect it's because for years of restriction my body's like oh no we're hunkering down we're we're getting depleted of food and so Eventually, the hormones are like, we need to have a binge because we're going to have issues of malnutrition. And so then when I start eating, my hormones start saying, eat everything you can, because now it's the time for storage, right? It's the time. It's spring has come. Let's store for the next time the winter has come. And if any woman or man that is listening to this has any history of doing these things where there's constant restriction, then they fall off a diet, and then they eat whatever they want, and then they go back to restricting and eating very low calories, then you are susceptible to what I just talked about. Because that means your body knows that there will be moments of high restriction, and then the propensity to then go and binge after when you're starting to refeed will be there.
1: And so then maybe these longer fasts are not for you. As we define things, I would call anything beyond 24 hours an extended fast. Right. I think anything within that, anything less than 24 is probably just some type of intermittent fasting. And so I think it's so important for people to realize how are they refeeding and how does it make them feel when they're done? For me, it was a benefit because of my history. And for Judy, it's not because of her history. And so I think those are two very clear things. If you're already having hormone issues, if you're already having um um, you, you likely shouldn't be doing these extended fast. If you have a history of restrictive eating, if you're pregnant, if you're, you know, any type of thing like that, there are, if you're too thin, if you don't have body weight to lose, your body can't tap into those stored foods. I had eaten a lot of cake on random Tuesdays in my life. My body had a lot of stored fat that it could access. And also I want to bring up the point of lipedema. You and I heard, um, Siobhan Huggins, and there's some studies that have come out recently. Like she did, talk about lipedema and fasting and how for her with lipedema, we think that like, oh, you have a lipedema. This is fat. You should fast and your body can access that stored fat and it will burn it. But in a lot of ways that stored fat is not accessible in the same way. And so she did this great talk where she, you know, she really dove into the fact that she can't access, or there's a maybe a belief that right. the, you can't access that lipedema fat in a type of extended fast Uh, And so your body is essentially not getting the fat that it needs to survive on, even though you still have fat in your lipoedema. It's not the same type of fat that I had in my belly as somebody with lipoedema has.
0: Everybody that does these longer fasts, anything beyond 24. You just have to be really honest with yourself. If you are ketogenic and carnivore and then you start these fasts and you just feel incredibly unwell, weak, low mood, uh, cranky, then maybe these fasts are not for you. If you are not ketogenic and then you're starting it, it's normal to kind of feel that way just because you have blood sugar imbalance still. But as you are eating this way long term, you just naturally get into the cyclical cycle of possibly eating two meals a day and your energy. should be pretty consistent. And you may want to do a fast long term, like you said, if you just feel like, oh, I'm noticing I'm snacking more on meaty foods and cheese, and maybe I just want to clean up my diet, maybe I'll do a fast to just kind of reset. Uh, Maybe I have some stubborn weight that I feel good enough to just maybe I'll do a fast. It's another lever. These are good times. Or maybe once a year, you're like, you know what, there's a history of cancer in my family or um, I've been around a lot of toxins. I'm just going to do an extended fast. So for these reasons, it's good. But to say that you need to do these extended fast multiple times a week, especially if you're older, I think it can be dangerous. And also to say that your waist will get smaller and your breasts will get bigger. That is just fallacy, honestly. I mean, in the athletic space and the weight loss space, they always say that for men, there's like a progression in weight loss. And for women too, the the waist is where the weight loss is last, especially like your lower back fat, like that area is the hardest to lose weight. And so for someone to say, on a carnivore diet that you will get a slim waist. I mean, I'm pretty on the thinner side. I can tell you that my waist is not any, like it just incrementally, everything has lowered in weight, but my waist is not any nicer. And in terms of breast, I mean, your breast tissue, there's breast tissue, but otherwise it's fat. So that's why larger women have larger breasts. It just goes hand in hand. We need to put our thinking caps on and question what we (laughs) see, what we hear, what we feel. And then say, is it working for me? If you are fasting multiple times a week and you don't feel good, it's probably your body saying, stop doing it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can absolutely vouch. I am not, I don't know what the shapes are. I'm terrible at it, but I have no waste. I carried all my weight okay. in my stomach, no matter how much weight I lost. It's also why I got so obsessed with like trying to be thin because I kept waiting for this waist to come out or like yes. my lower, my lower stomach fat you know, to go away or like my love handles to go away. I was at one point wearing a size two. I had been a size 22 and I went down to wearing a size two and I still had these love handles that I was obsessed with. It was psychotic right? And so it's just, you can't all of a sudden, you can't choose where you lose weight. It's just not going to happen. I had lost a hundred pounds and still had this big protruding belly. And it wasn't until I got past that, that the belly started going away, but I still never completely lost my love handles, my lower stomach fat, like my, you know, there's crude words for that front stomach fat, but like I I couldn't get rid of it. No matter how hard I tried, you can't pick where you lose fat. And the body recomposition does come from lifting and you can grow certain muscles, but you can't decide like where your fat goes away or where things are going to move and grow. And you can't, you just can't target any of those things.
0: When I spoke with Dr. Agatston, he said that when young kids have a little bit of belly fat and um, you see even older children and uh, teens and young adults, When they have a little bit of belly fat, that's the sign of insulin resistance. That's the sign that your beta cell is starting to dysfunction. So if we've been struggling for decades with that, as much as I'm lean, I do have a little bit of like, I definitely have like a little bit of fat you could pinch. As much as I've been doing carnivore meat based for such a long time, if I bend over, you will see a small roll. I have it. And I know, though, that I was likely pre-diabetic for 10 years of my life. And then I had insulin resistance from when I was young because I always had a little bit of that pooch. As much as I've been carnivore for this long, as much as I've fasted, as much as I've restricted my whole life, I still have some of it. And it's, it's normal. This is, we also have a lot of our hormones, our sex hormones stored in our fat. And that's why women have more fat naturally than men. It's because we need to tap into hormones and our bodies understand this. From all my years of insulin resistance, it will take a while for me to improve my, fully my beta cell health. But to say that now all of a sudden my fasting will reduce all of the fat, yeah, if I become anorexically thin, I can do that. I've done it before many times. But to say that carnivore is going to remove every single ounce of fat, you have to do extreme measures to get there. And that's just the truth. For all the athletes, for all the celebrities that have six-packs and look super, super fit, they they do extreme measures. They either decide they're going to eat less. They're going to decide they're going to eat just lean protein. They're going to restrict a lot of their nourishment. There's a reason that Matthew McConaughey in that one movie he did where he got super thin, he basically was eating nothing.
1: You can do that. Dallas Buyers right, Club. Right, right. And you know what? I saw another article. He was in Magic Mike, too. And I saw another article with Channing Tatum recently where he was talking about he had to lose so much weight for – for um, Magic Mike to be that lean. Like your body's not made to be that lean and that muscular or that low body fat percentage all the time. And he said, this is my full-time job. And it was still hard for me to do it. Like you can't be in that state naturally. My body, it took so much work for my, so much fasting, so much um, uh, under eating and so much exercising for me to get down to be that thin that my I stopped having a period and my sex drive was in the toilet. Like everything went down completely. I weigh more now and I probably get some crap and I do get comments of people saying like that I've gained weight. Maybe I get, I did gain too much in 2020, but but even now where I am now, my hormones are fantastic. My drives are fantastic. My energy levels are fantastic, but there's still this vanity piece of, of like, dang, I'm not as skinny as I was and it's really hard. And so the, kind of to bring it back to fasting a little bit. The temptation is I want to be skinnier. So I'm going to fast more is still something that I struggle with, which is why I am so much better now though, about checking in with myself and saying, when, how often are you fasting? Is this a good time for you? Are you mentally in a good place? Have you been consistent? I cannot do this unless I have been extremely consistent with no snacking. Like I'm dialed in mentally. I'm having, really feeling great and strong. And it's like, this is a good time for me to fast. And yes, it's helping maintain my weight or drop a couple pounds that I've gained. Like it's, I'm in a good place for it, but it does take a lot of work to have that conversation with, with myself to make sure that I'm in a good place for it. And then the benefits are real. It's not that the bent that fasting was the problem when I was, it's that my context and the time in my life was wrong for fasting right we can't demonize something just because it was not working for me at the time and and you're somebody who's able to speak to all the benefits of fasting that a lot of people can experience without having it be something that you want to incorporate personally because of your context
0: i think of the time when we talk with dr sivas and he said we have like a finite amount of years in our life and what our decision is with the things we do in our lifestyle and our diet, they will impact and they will either negatively affect the years that we were, I guess, designed to have in this world, or, or we can do things to try to maximize that and stay as long as we're intended. And so when I think of that, it makes a lot of sense because I was obsessive about being thin. I mean, I'm Asian American, I'm Korean American. It is it is prized to be thin because everyone's naturally kind of on the thinner side so you need to be really thin. And so i i understand that desire. I've been there. I i struggled with it. And but i i know how hard of a illness it is. When i think of women that are just fighting for i just want to be thin. I if i just am thin enough, then i will be loved. If i am just thin enough, i will have people think i'm valuable enough. If i if i'm thin enough, everything will fix and i was there i i got thin enough i i wore the size 0 mm-hmm. and then i also had looks where people were like i could tell they thought i was sick because i had the bobblehead right my head was way too big for my body but i know how much behind closed doors i suffered because i had to drink liters and gallons of green tea so i could stop my stomach from growling and i would tell myself you need to be more restrictive you need to be stronger and i know how much i suffered and then when i think about how it affects your thyroid and affects your hormones and it affects your ability to hang out with people because you become so obsessive with food and being thin, being scared around food and all of those things. And then I think about when Dr. Saiva said that, and I wonder how much of my life I took away by for over a decade, binging, restricting, using laxatives, working out at the gym for hours, and then also losing my friendships during that time. And that makes me so sad because there's so many young people that listen to content of people saying, here's a magic pill, just starve yourself. But they are possibly restricting them ever having a full life, having children if they want, and having a life where they can be truly loved. And it's not defined by a weight. And so I get the aspect of wanting weight loss, but I can promise you it will not bring happiness because I suffered from that. And so when I see recommending to starve and to do these dangerous things that they have never struggled with an eating disorder, it's, it's really, really detrimental and unfortunate because that is not what carnivore is for.
1: And the context of the, of people is so different. Like my mom can't be doing the same things that I'm doing and she and I can't operate in the same way. We're in two different places in our life with our hormones, even though we both were overweight. And even though we both struggle with sugar issues, like we still can't be doing the same things. Um, It's so it's why these blanket approaches are so difficult uh, and so hard because it's, you know, it's like I said earlier, it's why I have a hard time recommending or like d- explaining things as I go sometimes, um, because everybody has to be aware of how differently it works for them. And I just think that it's it's the hard part of this, you know, trying to find what works for you by listening to other people is really hard.
0: Yeah, and I mean I I can tell you my mom she cannot fast. Um, she's never done a fast beyond twenty four hours, and she can't do it. And her hormones are good though. And sure, she probably has like ten pounds she could ideally lose, but she's happy where she is. And I will tell you that most of my clients that are older cannot fast and cannot fast. I mean, more than
1: they have to have at least one meal, usually two in one day. And that's my mom doesn't fast as much anymore because her blood sugar is regulated. So once her blood sugar, she used those 36 to 48 hour fasts. To regulate her blood sugar. And once it was in a good place, then she could go back to eating twice a day and multiple meals a day because she didn't have that stored sugar in her liver anymore. And so now she didn't need it anymore. So just because it was right for you at a time or for a short period of time doesn't mean it's something that you're always going to have to do and doesn't mean it will work for you later. Right. And that's why
0: it makes no, it's nonsensical, honestly, to say that you learn to eat feast and fast after being on this way of eating it's actually the opposite
1: yeah definitely
0: oh i did not expect to get so emotional but i i I, I, like i care so much of the disordered eating it doesn't matter what size you're in when we attribute value to our weight and we think weight affects everything and i still struggle with that but it's few and far between because I know how much it hurts other people and so I choose to be an advocate for it. And right. weight is not going to bring you happiness. Like that I, I don't know how many times to say that. Or health. Exactly or health.
1: It, yeah or health. I, I had to get to that point where like I thought weight was the answer. I thought a weight on the scale or a size was the answer. And obviously I we we have to really dial in and make sure that we're not at an unhealthy weight. Um, but you have to your weight and your health and your, you know, happiness is, or your happiness and your health is not determined based on your weight. We
0: have to be watchful for what content we're consuming on social media. I have several messages from different, I guess you would call them influencers that outwardly they look very, very fit. They look very healthy but then behind closed doors, they tell me about their health issues. Maybe they don't have their period. Maybe they're dealing with sleep issues. Maybe they have high stress. And so they're asking me, what can they do to fix these things? There were several podcasts I were on where we were talking about op- optimal health and these people are coaches. And then when we hang up and we're no longer recording, they ask me, I still have severe diarrhea. What should I do? And And it's this I'm not saying that everyone needs to be a hundred percent honest online if that's how you choose to live your life fine, but you have to understand that what you see on social media is just a snippet of a sale, right. and not everyone is selling, but it's a it's a brand, it's a reputation. We cannot believe everything we see. Like we question celebrities for whatever they sell or whatever they do. We have to think of that with even smaller social media influencers. You cannot believe everything you see. And at a certain point, we have to take ownership in that. This meat-only, meat-based diet is so, so healing. And my family's testament, my mental health testament is one that, I mean, I shared my doctor's notes of, me being in a mental hospital, I, th- there's just so much healing in this way of eating. And let's just not overcomplicate it.
1: Yeah, in- influencers do not equal experts. And I am speaking first and foremost about myself and anybody else in this space uh, who is considered that, right? Like I am not an expert. Um, you should be taking what I'm saying and applying it to see if it works for you in the context of your life, just based on my experience. But you have to realize that that's very different. And so I think we have to stop treating influencers, me as an expert. I'm not an expert and we shouldn't be looking at me like one. And I also think that we need to look at people that we consider experts and then look at what is their motivation what is funding them or, or or what are they selling? And not that that's a bad thing. You can sell something and be an expert, but we also have to look behind that and use it. Like if we've learned nothing else over the last two years, we should be able to question information that we're given. We should be able to question the science. We should be able to question the research, the medical information, the food guidelines, like anything that's out there, we should be able to look deeper into it. And so- experts or influencers are not experts and take your experts and question them and that's okay
0: yeah i 100 percent agree with that and the value you bring is your experience with it all which then will give you an expert right so you have experience doing something so you have that knowledge but that doesn't mean that knowledge works for everybody and i think right. you're very mindful of that your experience your mom's experience your husband's experience it's all different Follow influencers for their content, for entertainment, for knowing that your lifestyle is very normal. But that doesn't mean that you have to follow what they're saying they're eating and what they're saying they're doing. Because I can assure you, you're only getting a snippet. And that doesn't mean that your outcomes will be exactly the same. If they don't look like you, if they're not the same gender as you, if they don't have the same lifestyle as you, if they don't have the same illness as you, then I can assure you. Right. Or the history. You probably won't have the same outcomes. I know the struggles with weight. I get it. Whether you're, you know, obese or whether you are anorexic, the struggle is real. Our culture loves thinness. And you just have to take a pulse of in your lifespan are you adding to the 100 years you would live? Or are you doing things that are detrimental, that you are knocking off a day of each day of your life? And I hope our community can be healthier and no longer struggle with things that we're doing to ourselves. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.